Welcome to the first episode of Link Exploration Bay Area. I'm Christy. I'm Sharon. I'm Jean. And together we're the hosts of Link Exploration Bay Area. It's Flood Preparedness Week. So, in our very first episode, we talked to Eric Simmons of the Federal Emergency Management Agency's Flood Mitigation Division about flood risk assessment, flood maps, flood insurance and how floods affect Diablo Valley cities, as always with an eye on climate change. Hi, welcome to Link Exploration Podcast. I'm Jean Rosenmeyer. And I'm Sharon Peterson. And we're here with Eric Simmons from FEMA, and he's going to tell us a little bit about flood mitigation. Tell us what you do, Eric, and, and where you work. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm Eric Simmons. I'm an engineer with FEMA Region 9 with this regional office in Oakland, California. And in my time at FEMA, I focused on helping communities reduce future flood damages, specifically working to identify flood hazards and analyze risk and help the communities and local officials build safer and smarter in terms of flood hazards. So how do I understand my flood risk? Yeah, flood risk is your future damage and losses during floods. With the water coming from, could be a creek or a stream, the ocean, the bay, it could be mud flow, even a backed up storm drain that floods and inundates your neighborhood or really any other flooding source. Understanding flood risk can be complicated, but an important first step to understanding one's flood risk is checking their FEMA flood map. All of FEMA's flood maps are online and can be found by searching FEMA Map Service Center. Once in the website, you can search by your address. FEMA flood zone data is also available by property on realtor.com and Redfin's website. So how do I use those maps? I was looking at the Martinez one and it didn't look as detailed as I expected. Can you tell us what these maps are all about? Yeah, sure. And when I talk about FEMA flood maps, they're in particular the flood insurance rate maps. And these maps show area of high, moderate, low, and unknown flood hazard. The area that gets the most attention is the mapped high risk zone. And it's also called the special flood hazard area, which can be zone A or zone AE, AO, AH, V, and VE. Um, that V signifies a high wave hazard, and the A um, is just a high hazard. So by locating your home or business on the FEMA flood map, one can gauge if their risk, their flood risk is high, medium, or lower. It's also important to note that there is no zero risk area. So how does this tie into flood insurance rate, that rates that you pay when you buy the insurance? FEMA's flood maps are used by lenders, your, your mortgage company, to determine who may be required to purchase flood insurance. Once someone has decided to buy flood insurance or their lender requires flood insurance, the premium of the policy is typically dependent on one's flood risk, that is the damages and losses they expect to incur. So if the purchase policy is backed by the National Flood Insurance Program, which is administered by FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, then the insurance agent will quote a premium. Flood insurance from a private company 
may also be available in certain cases, but most flood insurance in the U.S. is under the National Flood Insurance Program. In addition, local communities use the flood maps, the FEMA flood maps, to ensure new development in the floodplain is reasonably safe from flood damage. So can I get flood insurance if I'm a renter? Yes. People that rent can buy flood insurance. That renter's coverage covers your contents. And anybody who's interested in buying flood insurance, whether you're a renter or a homeowner, uh, needs to work with their insurance agent to obtain that coverage. Going to local communities, I understand there's a community rating system by which communities get discounts on flood insurance premiums that has different classes. Yes. Much of my work is under the National Flood Insurance Program, and communities join the National Flood Insurance Program, and as a, a benefit, any homeowner, business owner, or renter in that community can purchase flood insurance. But many communities go above and beyond minimum criteria of the National Flood Insurance Program and join the community rating system. And with that community going above and beyond, the people in that community that purchase flood insurance can save money, save money on their flood insurance. So I understand that Pleasant Hill and Walnut Creek, for example, are class eight, which saves 10%. Concord's class seven, which saves 15%. And unincorporated Contra Costa is class six, which is supposed to be a 20% discount on the insurance premiums. What are they doing differently? Okay. These communities that participate in the community rating system typically have safer development standards. If there's a choice to build in the floodplain, they have to build higher and, and safer. They also engage in activities to promote flood insurance and the benefits of flood insurance covering that risk and potential of economic harm when something bad happens. Communities that participate in the, in the community rating system also uh, have efforts to protect open space or to have perhaps early warning. Uh, there's a whole menu of items that communities that participate in the community rating system have to earn points that then allow them to get a better class. And by better, I mean lower number, like the county being a class six, which then has a greater insurance savings. Okay, so I was looking on at the flood mitigation plan of the county, and I see that some cities are using a flood map that was done in 2009, and some are using a map that was done in 2015. I guess they can choose to use outdated maps. Does that affect their rating? FEMA publishes a flood insurance rate map, and each county has a flood insurance rate map. So that countywide digital map for Contra Costa County was published in 2009. But a big update went several years later in about 2015. So portions of this map get updated as new data becomes available. So it's also important to realize that even though much of the county has a map that's dated from 2009, the actual floodplain data that's part of that 2009 map is, is older. It was taken from older studies and older maps. 
Okay, that brings me to the flood mitigation plan that the county has is completely driven by historical patterns. I mean, the only mention of climate change is, and, and I quote, how climate change will affect flood conditions in the planning area is uncertain, unquote. That's, that's it. So we're all using old data no matter what. Is that right? Uh, in general, we do use the past to predict what could happen in the future in terms of flood hazards and flooding. Um, we do realize that climate change can impact flooding. Um, clearly, you know, rising levels of our oceans are causing more coastal flooding. We also know that you know, warmer air temperatures can also cause more water to evaporate and change the size and frequency of large precipitation events, which may in turn affect riverine flooding. Uh, but the flood maps that I talk about, these flood insurance rate maps, are a regulatory product that communities adopt and are used to, in some cases, require flood insurance. So it's that insurance nature that requires that mapping to be based on existing conditions, not a, not a future conditions. So FEMA can work with cities and counties to produce data and studies that are based on future conditions, but that doesn't happen very often. Hmm. Well, so there's Walnut Creek and Lafayette and Unincorporated, and who's in charge? Is anybody, you know, actually saying you can't build here because it's bad or mandating certain, I don't know, mitigation measures? Yeah, land use is, is very much dictated at the local level. level. That is, uh, the cities or an unincorporated county, the county. The cities have that land use authority and, and have criteria for building. Um, in some cases, there are state requirements for building code and localities do do a lot to reduce flood risk. And a critical aspect in reducing flood risk is that new development. And communities in California have done an amazing job at putting in place safer and stronger building codes to make sure that we build or rebuild, we do so with resilience. Every city has to have a climate mitigation plan, but it looks like nearly all of them are silent about increased flood risk. They're basically all about reducing greenhouse gases or saving water. Is anybody really trying to address the hazard of climate change, you know, the flood hazard? There is work on the, the state level to look at, at this, that is how a warmer climate is going to impact are not only water supply, but flood risk. For example, in some areas of California, that flood risk is, is governed by rain on snow events. And if there's more rain and less snow during a storm, then the flood hazard may change. But the science is still being developed on to quantify this, to have actual studies that show what's reasonably safe and have that as actionable data for new development. Are you talking about that UCLA study that was in the paper a couple of weeks ago that basically said, hey, flooding is almost as big a hazard as drought? Yeah, there's been a lot of attention on that mega flood scenario. It's, it's something that multiple agencies have participated in the past on identifying what could happen in California if we had storms and rainfall like in, in 1862. Uh, where almost the entire Central Valley was flooded. It's something FEMA works with partners on, the state, 
counties and cities to understand what could happen in really major flooding events. Well, I was looking at the flood mitigation plan for the county, and it says there are, as of 2018, there were 28,854 people living in the 100-year floodplain and $1.3 billion, with a B, dollars worth of property. And I'm wondering, basically that UCLA study was saying that the 100-year floodplain may be a five-year floodplain or a two-year floodplain. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, Gene, I, I would say and encourage people to understand their risk. In many areas, that flood risk is real, and property owners have options to reduce their risk. And so looking at different maps is, is helpful to get an idea of, of what that flood risk may be, but also talking to your local officials and your neighbors and being prepared for flood damages uh, will also help you be more resilient to other hazards like wildfire and earthquake. So having a plan when something bad happens is important. Going national for a minute. I was reading that so-called repetitive loss properties, which are properties with four or more losses over $1,000 and two or more in the past 10 years, are like 1% to 2% of all insured properties, but 40% of all the payouts. And this sounds insane. Can't we buy them out? Do we have to keep paying them off to rebuild in the same place? There are programs that FEMA administers that help states and local communities buy out flood-damaged homes. And so there are uh, grant opportunities and, and different efforts to solve these problems. They do require a, a willing buyer. So flood risk is, is a big challenge, and these repetitive lost properties in particular are challenging. And, and California has made progress in, in this, but with other factors, it's a, it's a tough challenge. I just want to drop in that there are three repetitive lost properties in Concord, three in Walnut Creek, three in Pleasant Hill, two in Lafayette, and get this, 13 in Martinez. Just FYI for our listeners. Okay, so if you live in a flood-prone area, how much water can sandbags hold back? What could we do? I mean, the house is already built, right? What do we do? Yeah, first thing I would say to those people that are in a high-risk area is they should evaluate the purchase of flood insurance. And that really covers them when something bad happens and they have the economic means to recover. You asked about sandbags, and sandbags are basically for low-flow protection. That is up to two feet of flooding. That doesn't sound that low. And, and that's kind of the, the high end. But in some cases, traditional sandbags can be an effective way to deflect shallow flooding and help protect the structure from damage. But it's also kind of a band-aid. And then they're not always an effective measure during flooding because water eventually seeps through the bags. So that would be one of these short-term events where it just rained so hard that it couldn't drain away. I think there's a term for that. Is that a flash flood or is that a... That is a flash flood, and much of the flooding in California is flash flooding. It's for a short duration. Is there anything else we should talk about? You just add a, and talk a little bit more about the availability of this data. Communities have these flood insurance rate maps with the community. 
and often at the library, but they're available online. Again, if you do an internet search for FEMA map, you'll be able to obtain that. And it's important to realize that some people who are at a high risk really have options to reduce their risk. We talked about the availability of flood insurance. We talked about grants that are available to elevate homes or have other means to, to protect these homes from damage. So you're saying that you can buy flood insurance even if you're not in one of the flood hazards, special hazard zones? Correct. Anybody can buy flood insurance. Really? I didn't know that. If I'm understanding it right, then these different zones have different rates of premiums? Yes, but the insurance rate is primarily driven by the risk. So flood insurance is more expensive in riskier areas, but homes that are elevated or better protected from flood damage, that insurance rate is less. Really? So when you buy the insurance, they come and look at your house? People that are looking to buy flood insurance work with their insurance agent, and there's a rating engine that has some common information to determine the flood insurance rate. To add to that, one aspect that can help people get a more favorable flood insurance rate is if they hire a surveyor to complete what's called an elevation certificate. Having that specific information about your property can be helpful in rating the flood insurance, but it's not required. I was on the website for the city of Martinez and they had a they have a link that goes to directly to what they say is a FEMA map and it has only one level of, all it does is show the special hazard zone. It's like a satellite photo with the special hazard zone outlined on it. Is there, is there a map that's better than that that shows different levels of risk? The FEMA map has that high risk area. In addition, some FEMA studies have a moderate flood hazard area, but many of FEMA maps have this kind of in and out quality which is outdated and, and perhaps not the best for communicating flood risk. There are other data sources online that give a more graduated level of, of flood hazard and flood risk. Some have used a risk factor website and they assign flood factors for over 140 million properties in the United States. And that's a rating of one to 10. So a, a one would be a very low risk and a 10 is an extreme flood risk. I think it's important to realize there's no zero flood risk, but that's another data source for understanding your, your hazard. If you want to find out about your own risk of floods or other disasters, there's a nonprofit organization called First Street Foundation that runs a national website in which you can look up your own address. That's a nonprofit that has gathered up data from a lot of different sources, and their website is firststreet.org. And now back to Eric. Yeah, I was asking whether there's some way for a homeowner or anyone to gauge whether it's worth buying flood insurance, whether the damage amount might not be that big a deal. Yeah, I think it's important to realize even a small amount of water can cause a lot of damage. FEMA says even an inch of water in your house can cause $25,000 of damage and more. And today's houses really can incur a lot of damage with a little bit of water. So that choice on flood insurance is 
deeply personal and understanding your own finances and having your own financial plan impacts that. So if you have the resources to, to be self-insured, that's something. But having worked many disasters with FEMA and the worst part of that is seeing people who are devastated by a disaster and not have the financial means to recover, not having the insurance to be made whole and, and to recover efficiently is perhaps the worst part about disasters. That's my last question. I guess we'll sign off and say thank you very much, Eric, for coming. It was really, really enlightening. And I'm thinking differently about flood insurance now. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation. All right. Thanks a lot. And this is the end of the very first episode of Linksploration Bay Area. Join us for future episodes every two weeks. Linksploration Bay Area is an independent podcast. Find, subscribe, and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Our website is linksploration.com, where you can listen to our archives, and there's also show notes, photos, and links to our guests. If you have feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please email us at linksploration at gmail.com, and that's spelled L-I-N-K-S-P-L-O-R-A-T-I-O-N. Look for us on social media, also on Patreon. We are not in this to make money, but we do welcome donations to help with the cost of keeping the podcast on the air. We're Jean, Sharon, and Christy signing off until next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>